0: Welcome to The Eric Erickson Show Podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. If you live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you better be listening. Welcome. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, we got to get out of the gate with this crazy story out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Biden administration has decided to shut down the the largest hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the 12th largest hospital in the United States of America, that is uh, St. Francis Hospital. Uh, They are pulling uh, accreditation from St. Francis Hospital South. It would disrupt healthcare to uh, those on Medicare, Medicaid and CHIP, the Children's Health Insurance Program the hospital serves 400,000 people a year. It employs 11,000 people in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. The hospital has opened its doors in 1960, 15 years ago. They started uh, St. Francis Hospital South. So for 63 years, St. Francis has been in Tulsa. For 15 years, they've had St. Francis Hospital South, and the federal government intends to pull their accreditation. Why? You might want to sit down for this one. Why are they pulling the accreditation of the Catholic Hospital? Because in the hospital chapel they keep a candle burning, and this candle has burned for 63 years at the main hospital and for 15 years at the new hospital branch, and in the last three months, a hospital accreditor for the federal government's uh, Medicare-Medicaid program has decided the candle burning in the chapel is a health risk to the patients. And if they don't blow out the candle, they will see their hospitals unaccredited. You can't make this up. They literally intend to punish a Catholic hospital for having what the hospital calls a living flame. The living flame, is a symbol of the presence of God at the hospital. Every Catholic hospital has something similar. You go to a Catholic church, there are candles lit. This hospital for 63 years has lit what it calls its eternal flame. Now let me describe for you the setup. The the living flame is fueled by a candle The candle is encased in a thick glass globe, which is encased in a second glass globe. It's covered by a bronze top that fits over the second globe. The globe rests in a bronze holder that's affixed to the wall of the chapel. In 63 years, this flame has not been extinguished at the main hospital. In 15 years, the flame has not been extinguished at the new hospital branch. In fact, no fire marshal has ever complained. There are sprinkler heads surrounding the candle, there is an exhaust system for emissions. The flame has a double glass encasing. The bronze top encloses the flame. Despite its mounting the wall over six feet high, the the fire marshal's longstanding approval of the flame, the surveyor for CMS, the Joint Commission, they call it, decided it needed to go out. Now, here's the interesting thing. This is the most interesting part of it. I'm gonna read for you the letter from the lawyer for the hospital. Both the CMS and its accrediting organization have recently cast a shadow over St. Francis's chapels and the health system's broader mission. On February 21st, 2023, a surveyor with the Joint Commission, one of CMS's official accrediting organizations for hospitals that wish to participate in the Medicare or Medicaid program, paid a visit to St. Francis South Hospital. Curiously, during the inspection of the hospital, the surveyor expressly asked to go to the chapel to see if there was a living flame. Of course, he found it. The same sanctuary flame that St. Francis has kept alight since the chapel was blessed by the local ordinary upon opening. Despite many sprinkler heads surrounding the candle, good exhaust, the flames double glass encasing, the bronze top enclosing the flame, despite its mounting to a wall over six feet high, and despite the surveyor's knowledge of the fire marshal's long-standing approval of the eternal flame, the sanctuary flame did not meet the surveyor's favor. The surveyor observed to St. Francis personnel that other Catholic hospitals had complied and extinguished the living flame in their chapel, substituting an electric light. The surveyor cited the living flame in St. Francis Hospital South as a violation of the CMS's life safety code requirements. On a likelihood of harm scale ranging from low to moderate to high to immediate threat to health and safety, the surveyor ranked the chapel's enclosed living flame as a moderate threat. The chapel's living flame is the only reason the Joint Commission would deny accreditation of the hospital. The government's idea of corrective action requires that the hospital extinguish the sanctuary flame that has been lit in this hospital for 15 nonstop, unbroken years. If St. Francis fails to take the corrective action, it will lose its Medicare and Medicaid eligibility and its ability to serve elderly, disabled, and low-income patients in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Since the inspection and citation, St. Francis has repeatedly explained to CMS and its accrediting agency why the eternal flame is safe and why St. Francis's faith requires the living eternal flame in order for St. Francis to suitably honor and proclaim the living presence of Christ. The hospitals asked for a waiver four times. The surveyor stated, quote, during the building tour of the chapel, there was a lit candle with an open flame burning unattended 24-7. When St. Francis explained that the sanctuary candle is not an open flame but is enclosed, one representative asked how that flame was lit. When St. Francis said a lighter was used, Now, the accrediting agency claims that the lighter is the problem. This is nuts. This is genuinely nuts. They want to shut down a hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that serves 400,000 people a year with 11,000 employees because of a candle enclosed in glass, that is itself enclosed in glass, that is surrounded by bronze with sprinklers everywhere that the fire marshal says is okay, that has been lit for 63 years in one building and 15 years in the other building because a single inspector for an agency that does accreditation for purposes of uh, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services said no. No and then, when pushed, changed the reason from the candle to the lighter that was used 15 years ago and 63 years ago to light the candle. You want to understand why people think that this administration is hostile to people of faith? This candle hasn't been a problem for 15 years in the one hospital, 63 years in the other hospital. Hasn't been a problem for anyone. But now the Center for Medicaid and and Medicare Services is going to tell them you can't do business with the poor, the elderly, or the disabled who get government assistance. A substantial part of their services are for those groups. Now, those of you who are secular, who just don't care, who think it's no big deal, can say, well, just blow out the candle. Why should they have to, though? Why should a Catholic hospital that has had this candle going for 63 nonstop consecutive years have to blow it out when all the inspectors in the past were fine. This is insane. This is like the Obama administration demanding that the Little Sisters of the Poor nuns pay for abortions They want us in society to accommodate boys in girls' bathrooms. They want us in society to accommodate boys in girls' sports. They want us in society to accommodate explicit pornography in elementary schools or be accused of book burnings. They can't accommodate a candle that's been burning for 63 nonstop years. It's always the small things where they encroach on your freedom. It's always the small things where they begin their encroach on people's religious liberty. It's always the small things. And when you don't say anything about the small things, it becomes a little more and a little more and a little more. The Obama administration went to war with nuns who did not want to pay for abortions. That was the case. Before the Supreme Court, the Little Sisters of the Poor Case, and and the Obama administration kept trying to appeal and appeal and find something else to get them on, all to force the nuns to cover abortions in their health care plan. That's literally what they did. They, They sued nuns to pay for abortions, Catholic nuns, and the nuns won. And now they want to punish a hospital, which ultimately punishes the poor of Tulsa, Oklahoma, because the Catholic hospital wants to keep a flame burning to symbolize the living presence of their living God. You know and I know, if this was a Satanist-run hospital, a Buddhist-run hospital, an Islamic-run hospital, this inspector would not have had a problem, more likely than not. In fact, this inspector toured the hospital, and insisted on going to the chapel to see if there was a living flame. That living flame had been there for 15 years at this particular hospital, 63 years in the main hospital. Now, the upside of this, the upside of this is that this is gonna be a huge win for religious liberty should it go to court. There's a fire safety standard that the uh, Center for Medicare Medicaid Services holds. But that fire safety standard is also dependent on what the fire marshal says, and the fire marshal himself is totally fine with this. The Social Securities Act waiver provision is directly on point. With respect to fire and safety regulations, the secretary may waive for such period as he deems appropriate specific provisions of such requirements, which if rigidly applied would result in unreasonable hardship for a facility and which, if not applied, would not jeopardize the health and safety of patients. The fire marshal says it's fine. The fire marshal says it's not a threat. The fire marshal says you can keep it burning. The fire marshal says in 63 years, they've never had a problem. And if they did, their fire suppression system would accommodate it and contain it there in the chapel without it spreading. But the Biden administration would rather shut down a Catholic hospital than allow them to practice their faith openly. You start with the flame, and then you step up to now you have to fund the abortion. Now you have to cover the gender transition. Now you have to provide it free of charge, and if you don't, we're going to shut you down. It's the small things they start with. A candle that's burned nonstop for 63 years today, tomorrow they're making the Catholic doctors perform transition surgeries or they get shut down. You got to stop them here with the small thing that for many people seems inconsequential, but we know the way this game goes because they play it all the time. Absurd. For those of you in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you need to understand this. The federal government wants to shut down your major hospital because your major hospital is a religious institution that takes its faith seriously. The president claims to be Catholic. He just doesn't take his faith seriously. That's a big difference. I keep having friends tell me they realized I was right. Every time you wash sheets from Bowling Branch, they get softer and softer. They're the most luxurious sheets, the highest quality, incredible craftsmanship with just unmatched softness, 100% traceable organic cotton. It gets softer with every wash. I tell you guys that It's true. I can tell you it's a big difference, and I have bought different pairs of sheets to try to find some best. I keep coming back to my Bowling Brand sheets. They're incredible. They're buttery to the touch, super breathable. They're perfect for cooler weather and warmer weather. Why the drape? You actually feel like you've got something of substance on you so you can snuggle in, but you don't get overwhelmingly hot or in the during the summertime, and it's just the perfect weight under the blanket as well during the wintertime. I love Bolin Branch sheets. They're so luxurious. They're loved by four U.S. presidents. Got over 10,000 raving reviews right now. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BowlinBranch.com. That's BowlinBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Exclusions apply. See site for details well don't look now but there's another balloon up there and it turns out that the chinese have a more sophisticated uh, balloon observation spy balloon um base and development program than we thought we have discovered uh in a portion of it it sounds like the gobi desert uh the chinese developing balloons uh welcome it's eric erickson here eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five The U.S. military says it's tracking this mysterious balloon. It it, uh, flew over Hawaii, did not go over sensitive areas. The U.S. military has been tracking it since late last week and has determined it possesses no threat to aerial traffic or national security and is not communicating signals. It's not clear exactly what it is, but the U.S. might shoot it down. Now, how do we know? I'd like to take the American government at its word that this new balloon they found floating over Hawaii is not transmitting anything, is not a national security threat, did not fly over sensitive areas, but they lied so thoroughly about the other spy balloon. How can you really actually believe anything they say on this? That, frankly, is the problem, that you can't really believe anything The Biden administration says on this stuff because they say so much that is not true. And the last time they completely misrepresented it and then tried to blame Donald Trump. Real hard to take them seriously or treat them with any measure of honesty, given the way they handled the last balloon. Now, you can trust me on the Eden Pure Thunderstorm because I'm a user of it, too. Uh, you can get three of them for less than $200 at EdenPureDeals.com. It really is a cool little product. So this thing, you hold it in your hand. It's a little bigger than your hand, about an inch, inch and a half thick. Uh, you plug it into the wall, or you, it's got a USB outlet on it, and you can plug it in with a USB cable. And it wipes out odors. So if you've got a, a litter box you keep in like your laundry room or somewhere and it occasionally stinks, you fire up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm and it wipes out the odors. You got a uh, wet dog smell in the house, you fire it up, wipes out the odors. Cooking, frying, smelly stuff wipes things out. It's just crazy. Um, it is, um, it, it's, it's a great product. It also gets rid of the, the mildew, the pollen, the mold, the dust that floats in the air. Use as an odor eliminator. Get three. One for upstairs, downstairs, your basement, your RV, wherever you need it. Your travel bag. I keep one in my travel bag when I travel. You go to EdenPureDeals.com. Eden, like the Garden of Eden, pure is the driven snow. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code's just my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code Eric. Get three for less than $200. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Glad to have me. And hey, glad to have you with me. The phone number, 877 973 Seven four two five. I got a couple of emails from people asking about the uh, issues uh, with the hospital in Oklahoma and Tulsa. If you text data to three three seven seven seven, you can get the show notes. Uh, And it's like the third item down in the show notes. There are two little like uh, alarm sirens. And that will follow you to the link uh, to the Beckett lawyer on Twitter. You can find the actual letter from the lawyers. Now, uh, listener Russ just emailed me and said, the Joint Commission accredits all hospitals and medical facilities every three years, which means the new hospitals successfully received accreditation at least four other times from the Joint Commission with the eternal flame burning. Exactly. That's their lawyer's point as well that uh, this hospital literally has had this flame burning for 15 years in their chapel. The fire marshal says it's okay. They have received accreditation in the past, and suddenly a single inspector sought out the candle in the chapel, demanded that it go or they lose their accreditation. Uh, Someone uh, riding too high in the saddle. Uh, But again, text DATA to 33777. Follow that top link. Uh, you can see the show notes, get the get that uh, email, see it for yourself. You don't have to take my word for anything I talk about. I give you all of the links so you can make up your own mind. Now, I, I want to talk about something else. I thought I was done talking about Tucker Carlson, but I am not. Uh, someone somewhere is dropping leaks on Tucker Carlson, and I got to tell you, if it's someone at Fox News, and that seems to be the obvious answer here. I mean, if you want to do Occam's Razor, what is the 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 simplest explanation? It's someone from Fox News dropping leaks on Tucker, but I don't really know where they come from. And the reason I'm not sure they come from Fox is they actually make Tucker look very relatable. Uh, he's dropping F-bombs on set. He's laughing about stupid stuff that's happened. He does his impression of Bill O'Reilly in one of them, that's kind of, have y'all ever seen the Bill O'Reilly clip? (laughs) I can't play it on the radio because of the language, but when Bill O'Reilly was at Inside Edition, I don't quite know what happened, but he totally lost it on the people. He's like, fine, we'll do it live, fine, with all sorts of expletives. (laughs) And Tucker Carlson at one of his his, his Fox Nation shows um, off the main network on on the streaming service does an impression of Bill O'Reilly and and the we'll do it live, fine, and then drops F-bombs and the like, and then on another just goes off on a tirade about how terrible the Fox Nation website is and how you can't find anything on it. And now the latest one is a text message where he watches some guys beat up an Antifa person, and um, he says that's not the way white people fight, which is uh, admittedly an odd statement. But ultimately, goes on to say that uh, at first he really wanted this guy because he hates these Antifa guys to be beaten up. But then he thought this isn't right. I don't want to be like that. I just uh, because I disagree with people, and, and I should f- let, let me find it. It's it's easy to find because of every single left- wing outlet out there is running this to vilify Tucker Carlson as a racist for saying uh, jumping a guy like this is dishonorably uh, dishonorable. Obviously it's not the way white men fight. Um, but what he goes on to say is that he doesn't want to be like that. He doesn't want to be someone who judges other people. Let me me read you the full text message. A couple of weeks ago, I was watching video of people fighting on the street in Washington. A group of trunk guys surrounded an Antifa kid and started pounding the living blankety blank out of him. It was three against one at least. Jumping a guy like that is dishonorable, obviously. It's not how white men fight. That line has stood out to everybody in the media. Oh, Tucker's admitting he's a racist. Yet suddenly, I found myself rooting for the mob against the man, hoping they'd hit him harder, kill him. I really wanted them to hurt the kid. I could taste it. Then somewhere deep in my brain, an alarm went off. This isn't good for me. I'm becoming something I don't want to be. An Antifa creep is a human being. Much as I despise what he says and does, much as I'm sure I'd hate him personally if I knew him, I shouldn't gloat over his suffering. I should be bothered by it. I should remember that somewhere, somebody probably loves this kid and would be crushed if he was killed. If I don't care about those things, if I reduce people to their politics, how am I better than he is? That is a point I make on this radio program all the time. you may despise someone's politics, but if we're all creating the image of God, you might be able to learn something from them. If I reduce people just to their politics, I'm no better than the other side because that's what the other side does. And that's Tucker Carlson's point. He confesses his feelings uh, of rage against this kid and and admits that, that something in his brain Uh, fired off an alarm and said, it's not right for you to think that. This, This person's a human being. Someone somewhere loves him. It would be bad if this person got killed. The media wants to vilify Tucker Carlson and stop the text message with, jumping a guy like this is dishonorable. It's not how white men fight. And end, don't go into any of the rest of this. As opposed to, The Antifa creep is a human being, much as I despise what he says and does, much as I'm sure I'd hate him personally, if I knew him, I shouldn't gloat over his suffering. I should be bothered by it. I should remember that somewhere somebody probably loved the kid and would be crushed if he was killed. If I don't care about those things, if I reduce people to their politics, how am I better than he is? Exactly. What's remarkable is so much of the media doesn't want to cover that aspect of it. I have a hard time understanding how these leaks hurt Tucker Carlson. And, you know, the obvious shortcut answer is they're probably coming from Fox. Who else has access to all of these things? Who else has access to all the clips? They're going to the New York Times. They're going to Media Matters. I mean, maybe it's Tucker leaking them himself, but I just have a hard time believing that. Because the obvious answer is the people who have the most readily available access to all of this stuff are the people of his former employer. And I don't know how it hurts him. And there's a larger story here. And that's this. I have found more often than not that most of the people in charge of conservative media are not all that conservative. If you want a real shortcut on this, just look at how Fox News covers the transgender issue. They have Caitlyn Jenner, formerly Bruce, on television. And whenever there's a story about a transgender activist, including Leah Thomas, the guy who swims on the women's team, they use the female pronouns for Leah Thomas, even though she is a he. When they talked about Audrey Hale, the shooter in Tennessee, they wanted to make sure that everyone knew Audrey Hill identified as a male and wanted to treat Audrey Hill as such. Time and time again, the Dylan Mulvaney story with Bud Light, uh, they used uh, masculine pronouns to describe or uh, feminine pronouns to describe Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney is a he, but Dylan Mulvaney identifies as a she. So the people at Fox News chose to use the feminine pronouns for Dylan Mulvaney in their coverage. Not exactly understanding your audience there. The same thing, by the way, happens in talk radio. I don't mean this disrespectfully. Lord knows as I try to grow the show, I don't want to burn bridges with the the powers that be in in radio. But the reality is when you look at the major companies uh, that own radio stations in the country at the upper echelons, they're overwhelmingly progressive. They're overwhelmingly Democrat. And to the extent they program conservative talk, I think many times they give conservative audiences what they think the conservative audience wants, not necessarily what the conservative conservative audience actually wants. They cater to uh, people outside the demo, so to speak. That means uh, an older crowd that is not really representative. Radio advertisers, for reasons that, that uh, I think are stupid, only care about people who are 25 to 55. And the 35 to 55 set, they're the ones with the most money. You would think that they would care about those people. They really care about the 25 to 35 set because in their view, if you start listing when you're 25, you're going to keep listing until you're 55. So they really cater to the 25-year-old set, which if you ever wonder why your radio stations sound like you're too old to listen to this crap anymore, that's why. They want to focus on the 25-year-old who can't actually buy anything the advertisers sell because they're convinced that the 25-year-old will stick around for the rest of their lives. Fox News caters to the people over 55. A lot of conservative talk these days has given up on trying to attract a younger audience. They catered with the red meat and the chum in the water to the 55, 65-year-olds who the advertisers don't necessarily care about anymore. Uh, But that's where they get their core audience. It's kind of frustrating to be someone in conservative radio realizing that a lot of people at the upper echelons of programming and entertainment for conservatives in this country really aren't sharing my ideological worldview. And that's the case with a lot of the folks at Fox. Now, the management tends to be center-right. But a lot of the producers at the upper levels of that company, they're not. And a lot of those, I think, in ownership of the company, tend to be center-left. They may be fiscally conservative but socially very liberal. So they release these things about Tucker Carlson because they're in their worldview. They're thinking, oh, the audience is going to see this guy for a fraud just like we do. And instead, the audience sees this and they're like, well, this is kind of funny. It makes him relatable. You read the text message from Tucker Carlson and and you think, I know a lot of people who have gone through the same thought process and arrived exactly where you want them to arrive that it would be bad if the kid got killed because someone somewhere loves the kid and if i'm reducing the kid to his politics and pulling from him his humanity i'm no better than the other side that is extremely relatable and the fact that people in the media look at this whole thing and they focus on that's not how white men fight and they completely abandon the fact that tucker carlson realizes I'm becoming like the people I hate. I shouldn't do that. Uh, they they want to they ignore the humanity. They want to ignore the redemption. They want to ignore the full thought process because they want to vilify Tucker Carlson, and they're doing to Tucker Carlson the exact opposite of what Carlson does in the text message. They are reducing Tucker Carlson to his politics. It is Tucker Carlson who proves himself in the text message to be better and more moral than the people covering the text message because Tucker Carlson realizes he can't reduce people he dislikes to their politics. While the people covering Tucker Carlson have done just that to Tucker. Now, I, my friends, wanna send you to Vision Computer. The average hold time there is 15 seconds. Why do I want to send you to Vision computers? Very simple. A lot of you use Windows PCs and with viruses and tech issues and drivers that don't work and you have frustrations with updates and stuff, Vision sells itself on its customer service. Average hold time, 15 seconds. It's fascinating. Uh, how good they are with their customer service. Uh, they dedicate so many resources and human beings, not computers, not switchboards, but actual humans do it. So you can build the PC with, with Vision Computer. You can work with them for your company if you need it. They'll build them for everybody in your company. They'll build them just for you or for your grandparent, your senior citizen parent who needs a computer to keep on in touch with the grandkids, and you don't want to be their tech support. That's where Vision comes in. Let them build the computer to meet the specs that you need and you want, not just the -the off-the-shelf generic hardware you get from your local big-box store. And then they give you their award-winning customer service for a year, and if you want it because you went to the big-box store and you're like, well, now I don't know how to use it and it's got a virus and I don't know what to do, you go to Vision, you pay them a, a small fee, and for the next year, you have them to be your customer service tech support people as well. And they actually answer the phone, they actually solve your problems, and they can actually remote into your computer in most cases to fix problems instead of you having to cart off your your, your computer to them and ship it to them. So if you live away from them, they're in Georgia, and if you live in Oklahoma, for example, and you want to build a pc with vision they'll send it to you and then for a lot of your hardware and, and software problems they can just remotely connect in so you don't have to send the computer back to them it's a win-win for you makes it easy they give you world-class tech support and you get a great computer to do business with jim who runs my show for me my board up he's been buying his computers from him for over 20 years you can too visioncomputers.com is the website or call them just see how quickly they answer the phone 404 compute 404-Compute. Call them anywhere in the nation. 404-Compute. Let them build your computer. Let them manage your tech support. Let them give you peace of mind so you're never having one of those critical failures at the time you need your computer. You make sure it works. VisionComputers.com or 404-Compute. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Your phone calls are welcome. 877-973-7425. As you probably are aware, the Hollywood writer's strike is on there. The, so there was a writer strike a number of years ago. It, they kind of called it off for a while. They thought about having another writer's strike. There was an agreement. Now there is. And the talk shows on TV are shutting down. So your Jimmy Kimmel's, your Jimmy Fallon's, your Stephen Colbert, the like, they're They're closing. Uh, Because the writers, some of it is in solidarity with writers. A lot of it is they don't have writers, so they have no jokes. And I'm not kidding. Greg Gutfeld on Fox, which is now dominating the nighttime shows, is not going away, obviously. Uh, He does his own. I'm really fascinated by this. When I got into radio... I was stunned at the number of people who think that radio show talk show hosts have script writers. Now some do a couple of people, you know, well, occasionally have people write monologues for them. I'm kind of stunned by that. Maybe some of them will start using chat GPT, but, uh, what's so crazy about it. I do a three hour show. My three hour show is 41 minutes per hour of talking. So you can do the math of 41 times 3 times 5. You know what? Because I don't do math in my head well because I went to law school. So let's do this. 41 times 3, that's 123 minutes a day, times 5, 615 minutes of talking a week on this program without a script writer most of it extemporaneous. Today is a very good example of it being extemporaneous. I was at the doctor's office, got there at 845 this morning. The doctor didn't even see me until 1030. Didn't have access to be able to do show prep. So we literally had 40 minutes, maybe tops to do show prep for today's show. And I don't have writers. I don't have script writers. Do most of my own research. Thank goodness for Philip and Charlie. They filled up a a, a Slack channel with show prep stuff if I need it. And when I got out, I I found some articles I want to talk about. I'm just stunned by the fact that a guy who spends 30 minutes on television, which really means he spends about 20 minutes on television, which really means he spends about 10 minutes talking off cue cards, can't do his show because of the writers. How is that even possible? And I realize with some of them it's solidarity, but not with all of them. With a good many of them, it's simply that they don't have writers to write their jokes for them or prescript interview questions with people, and so they can't do an interesting show without writers. In other words, the talent is not very talented in these programs, and the writer strike is exposing it. And now you could listen to me and say, well, you kind of suck. Okay, that's fine, but I know what my ratings are. I assure you I wouldn't be on your radio station right now if I couldn't pull in ratings. And these people don't have great ratings to begin with and can't do it without writers. How pathetic are these people that they can't do a 20-minute show, essentially, without a writer to help them?